Well, good morning and welcome to Crossroads. I am so glad that you have joined us today. We are getting pretty serious today as we dive into a new series that we have called Radioactive. And we're talking about the fallout that happens when you experience a toxic faith. And I think the first thing we've got to recognize as we dive into a topic like this is the reality that when we talk about toxic faith, when we talk about people that are struggling or you know, experiencing and displaying a life that really isn't real, that isn't on fire, that's turning people away from Jesus, we tend to say, oh yeah, there's a lot of people in my life that I know that are toxic. And what I want you to do right from the very beginning today is, is just get away from that mindset. Today, what I would ask you to do is just to be open and honest with yourself, to be open and honest with God, to make sure that there is absolutely nothing in your own life, in your own heart. I'm doing everything I can personally to make sure there's nothing in my own life and in my own heart to make sure that as a follower of Jesus, there isn't anything toxic in my relationship with God, anything that is radioactive, that is dangerous, that contaminates because I want to be a light that is shining in the darkness. I want to live a life that points people to Jesus. But the thing is, when we start looking at everybody else's problems and forget to focus on our own, we, we don't even realize, we become blind to the fact that our very own faith can become toxic. And so I just want you to be open and honest today as we dive in and take a look at yourself to see what are the steps that God is asking me to take to draw closer to him, to fully live into this beautiful and blessed life that he calls me to live into. Because I believe that God has a purpose. He has a plan for each and every one of us. I believe that each and every one of us are dearly and deeply loved by God. And it's when we forget to focus on him and who he is and what he has done in our lives that we allow this toxicity to creep into our lives. And we do, we become radioactive. And the last thing that I want to do as a follower of Jesus is live a life that in any way would push someone away from that love of Jesus, would push anyone away from that hope and that life that we have in him. And so this series is based on a passage of scripture that we see in 2 Timothy chapter 3. And this is Paul writing to Timothy, someone who he's mentoring, someone who he is pouring his life into. This passage of scripture in this letter to Timothy is a specific warning to believers, to followers of Jesus, people in the church to make sure that their lives don't become polluted, that they don't become contaminated, that they don't become radioactive because as followers of Jesus, we have to be a light that shines in the darkness. So lean into what this states here because this is really important for all of us to really circle in our own lives and make sure that we are living the life that Jesus has called us to. It says in 2 Timothy 3, but know this, that in the last days, perilous times will come. For men will be lovers of themselves, lovers of money, boasters, proud, blasphemers, disobedient to parents, unthankful, unholy, unloving, unforgiving, slanderers, without self-control, brutal, despisers of good, traitors, headstrong, haughty, lovers of pleasure rather than lovers of God, having a form of godliness, but denying its power. And from such people, turn away. This is a really, really sobering passage of scripture. And I hope again that you lean into this and recognize that, you know what? When I read a passage of scripture like this, I can't just automatically say, oh, this is somebody else's problem. No, it's really important to identify any area in my life where any of these traits have started creeping in. Because there's something really terrifying about this concept of, of this recognition that you can live a life that has a form of godliness. It's kind of a version of Christianity, a version of a life that is supposed to be following Jesus, 
but it's actually in reality a life that denies all the power, all the life, all of the joy, all of the hope, all of the peace that Jesus longs to fill you with. I'm terrified of falling into that category, that trap where my life has a form of godliness, but denies the real power of a life that is filled with Jesus. And that's why what we're talking about for these next few weeks is so important. It's a gut check. It's making sure that my life in no way is radioactive, that I'm not contaminated, that my life is not toxic, that my life is do- in every possible way is fully surrendered to Jesus, and, and I'm doing my best to point people to him. It's living my life in such a way that my light shines bright and draws people to Jesus rather than pushing them away. We've got to identify, hey, this is real, this is big, and this is deeply personal. Because in Matthew chapter 7, in the Sermon on the Mount, the greatest sermon that was ever told, Jesus himself speaks to this idea in Matthew chapter 7. He's talking about the reality that you're going to recognize followers of Jesus by their fruit. If their life is producing good fruit, if you see the characteristics of Jesus in their life, you know that they belong to Jesus. And those fruits are obvious. You see in Galatians 5, it's love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. These are the fruits of, of a life that is following Jesus. These are obvious. And Jesus says, hey, by your fruit, people are going to tell who you are. If that's the fruit of your life, they're going to see you belong to Jesus. But the same is said to be true about that person who is bearing bad fruit. Man, if your life at all looks like any of these traits that we see in, in 2 Timothy 3, you got to be careful. You got to make sure you're not falling into this trap of, you know, yeah, it's, I'm paying lip service to Jesus. I have a form of godliness. Yeah, I say I'm a follower of Christ. I go to church every now and then. It's great. But you're denying the power. The sobering thing that Jesus says in, in Matthew chapter 7, and I want to read this to you. This is not going to be on your slides today. Just lean in and, and listen to the, the gravity of what Jesus is saying here in Matthew chapter 7. He says, not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven but only the person who does what my Father in heaven wants. Many will say to me on that day, Lord, Lord, didn't we prophesy in your name? Didn't we speak truth to people in your name? Didn't we force out demons and do many miracles by the power and authority of your name? Then I will tell them publicly, I've never known you. Get away from me, you evil people. And that is terrifying. To realize that these people, they had bought the lie that they'd been telling themselves for so long, living a form of godliness, but denying its power that they didn't even realize it in their own life. They never actually had a relationship with Jesus. And at the end of the day, that's what Jesus wants. He wants us to have an alive and vibrant relationship with him. He wants me to be coming more and more like him each and every day, to be growing for my life to be bearing fruit, that light to be shining so bright that people see God moving and working in me and they are drawn to what is happening in me. That's his desire for each and every one of us, that life that is lived to the fullest, living into that purpose and plan that he has for us. And he wants to know you. He deeply and, and dearly wants to have a relationship with you. I gotta ask you today, do you know Jesus Make sure you're not falling into this trap of buying this lie that you're telling yourself that everything's okay. Don't just put a Band-Aid on it and walk away. Make sure that these traits in your life are real, that the fruit of your spirit, the fruit of the spirit in your life is love and joy and peace, that people see Jesus in you, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. 
These speak to the, move that, the movement that Jesus is working in your life, the way that he is transforming you. And I just challenge you today to live deeply into this calling that he has placed on your life. We're going to be focusing over these next four weeks on four characteristics in this passage from 2 Timothy, 2 Timothy chapter 3 that I believe are really critical in terms of making sure that we're circling these areas in our lives and making sure that we're not allowing any roots of any of these, these traits to have uh, roots in our life and to grow deeply in our life. Because here's the thing, when you realize in the, in the dead center of this passage, there's four words, they all start with the letter U, un, and I'm a guy who loves alliteration. So when I saw these four words that start with U, actually unwords, I'm going, this is perfect. This is perfect for a sermon series. And I I realized, oh man, this is the core values of this passage of scripture. This is perfect. It was like God speaking to me and giving me a cherry on top of my, my ice cream Sunday, saying, here's your plan, Tim, and it's alliterated. Just for a guy like me that's OCD, that was just a, a blessing for me. But think about the, the heaviness that comes from these four topics, these four areas of our lives. I just want you to consider the, the power of, of what this can do to your life when you actually are unthankful, unholy, unloving, and unforgiving. These are the four traits that we're going to be diving into over the next four weeks that really are going to prevent us from having a radioactive relationship with God. I believe that if we hone in on these four traits and realize, no, I've got to be thankful. I'm called to be holy. Boy, I'm supposed to love others with the same love that God has for me. I'm supposed to forgive as God forgives. I believe that if we focus on these four traits, these four core traits, that we're going to be living into that life that God calls us to. We're not going to fall into that trap of having a toxic faith. No, we'll be the people that God is calling us to be. And so that's why what we're talking about here is so important. And I want to start in 1 Thessalonians 5.18 today, where Paul says, Give thanks in all circumstances, for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus for you. When we talk about this first idea, this first word, unthankful, we've got to focus on this, we've got to circle it in our lives and realize I cannot allow this spirit of ingratitude to grow roots in my life. There is always, always, always something to be thankful for. And listen, I want to challenge you with this concept. If you have encountered Jesus if you realize I am a child of God, he has forgiven me, he loves me, I have a future and it is eternal, I am loved by God. I want you to know that it does not matter what happens to you in life, what circumstances you face, what situations you find yourself in, there is always, always, always something to be thankful for because you are dearly and deeply loved by God. You are his child. He loves you with an everlasting love. You walk in his mercy and his grace. Your eternity is secure. You have a hope and a future, and I don't want you to ever forget that. You always have something to be thankful for. So in 1 Thessalonians 5, when Paul says, hey, listen, give thanks in every circumstance, there's merit to that. That's not easy, because here's the thing. We all go through difficult times in life. I've been there. You lose your job. Your bank account runs dry. Everything gets turned upside down. It's easy to fall into that state where you're complaining, where you're worried, where you get consumed with greed. These are all of the things that happen when we are not allowing ourselves to truly be thankful. But at the end of the day, we always have a reason to be thankful. And I want to encourage you today. I want to pause and recognize we're in an area of life right now where for the last six months, We've all lost a lot of different things, whether it's relationships, I mean, whether it's financial uh, her, uh, uh, hurdles that we've had to overcome. Uh, there are all kinds of things because of this pandemic, because of the place we find ourselves in, 
where we're hurting. People have experienced loss and there are things that cause us pain. And yet in the middle of the grief, in the middle of the journey where we're walking through the valley, no matter what difficult situations that we find ourselves in, I want you to remember in the middle of that storm, you are a child of God. You are dearly and deeply loved by him. You have hope. You have a future. There is always something to be thankful for. And there is power to that, that verse where Paul says, listen, in every situation, you just lost your job in that situation. Uh, you're struggling in your marriage. You're having difficulty with your relationships right now. In every situation, give thanks this is God's will for you. This is not just something that's like a suggestion. No, this is his plan for you. This is what he wants you to do. No matter what area you find yourself in navigating in life, no matter how dark that road seems, no matter what a difficult situation you find yourself in, God calls us to give thanks. And there is power in that attitude of gratitude. There is power in thankfulness because it keeps me laser focused on who I am. I'm a child of God. And it keeps me laser focused on everything that God has done for me. It helps me to remember that no matter how big this storm is, man, I'm, I'm dearly and deeply loved by God. And I tell you, your future is bright. Your future is secure. Keep putting your trust in him. And so I want to encourage you today. You might be going through a difficult time. There is always something to be thankful for. Give thanks in every circumstance for this is God's will for you in Jesus Christ. So here's the thing. When we talk about unthankfulness, this is something that can really creep into your life and, and not really be something that's a glaring, obvious trait. And you've got to realize that when you allow unthankfulness to come, it really is a sign that you've, you've lost your way. You have forgotten who you are. You have forgotten how dearly and deeply loved you are by God. You have forgotten what he has done for you. And I want to point out as we start here, unthankfulness is toxic to friendship. Why is that a big deal? Well, it all comes down to our relationship with God. So if unthankfulness is toxic to friendship, that means unthankfulness is toxic to both my relationship with God and it's also toxic to my relationship with others. Unthankfulness, it just starts poisoning everything. It really is the foundation for true toxicity. And you have to avoid that in every area of your life. You always, always, always have to focus on being thankful. Otherwise, you allow those roots to grow and the toxicity begins and it starts contaminating everything, your relationship with God and your relationship with others. Uh, I grew up on the north side of Elkhart. And I want you to know uh, the house that I grew up in is on County Road 10, near the John Weaver Parkway. And in the 70s and 80s, unbeknownst to the Fisher family, this was the place about a mile from our house that was one of the most toxic dump grounds in all of America. I don't know if you're aware of that, but that is absolute fact. You can go on Google and, and find this site. We had a toxic waste dump in Elkhart and it was a mile from my house. Even worse than that, when I was growing up, I would go hike in the woods where the toxic dump had been. I would would go play at the pond that was green and boiling, you know, and, and I had no idea what I was getting myself involved in. Years later, I found out that's why I have six toes on my right foot. Who knew? But you know, you never really know what's happening. That's a slow process. They started dumping stuff there in the 70s, dumping stuff there in the 80s. And over time, it became so contaminated and so toxic that they had to take remedial action. They had to cover that whole area uh, with like 20 feet of dirt. Now it's gated off. Nobody can get back there. And I have the ability to say, well, when I was growing up, that's where we played cops and robbers. I mean, it was amazing. Uh, you know, that's just how old I'm getting. You know, I feel really old when I say that kind of thing. Uh, but the reality is, you never really know how toxic something is getting until you've gone too far. 
And that's why it's so important that you recognize these traits in your life where you realize, man, I have to be thankful. I cannot allow unthankfulness to grow roots in my life because this is the foundation for growing in my relationship with Jesus. This is my foundation for staying focused on him because when I'm thankful, it's because I'm focused on who God is and what he's done for me. I'm keeping that bigger picture in mind. And I want to challenge you today. There are three causes of unthankfulness. And I would encourage you to lean into this because we are all guilty of this. I want you to hear this loud and clear. I'm guilty of these things. We all have to struggle and fight these battles because this is where our carnal nature will take us. It, it takes no training to do these next three things, all right? This all comes natural to us. It actually takes work to not fall into this trap. So consider this, three causes of unthankfulness that we all deal with. Number one is envy. This happens when I focus on other people's blessings more than my own, all right? It comes natural. When I was 16 years old, I bought my first car. It was amazing, that 1984 Nissan Sentra hatchback. Oh, what a joy that car was. Oh, I loved that car until my friend Andy pulled up in his brand new Chevy Camaro Z28. And I'm going, are you kidding me? That was envy. No one trained me how to have envy. That was just plain and simple envy, right? It happens naturally, but that happens when I focus on other people's blessings more than my own. That's envy. And envy sneaks into our lives every single day. We've got to be careful because that's a cause for unthankfulness. The second one is pride. This is when I focus on myself more than my blessings. This is when I have a blessing in my life and I don't even think about it. I don't even care about it. I show no gratitude for it because, hey, I'm awesome. I deserve this. And when something bad happens in my life, I'm going, what's happening? This isn't fair. I don't deserve any of this. I'm amazing. Pride is terrible. Pride is the worst. And when you're focusing on yourself instead of your blessing, that is what builds the foundation for entitlement. That's what builds the foundation for unthankfulness. And when you are focusing on yourself instead of focusing on God, that is the first step of many that leads to a path of destruction. Man, God opposes the proud. He gives grace to the humble. Well, you, you fall in that trap of unthankfulness because you are focusing on yourself. That's pride. Well, then the third one is greed. This is when I focus on the blessing I could have instead of the blessing I have been given. It's that trap of falling into where I just want more. I always need more. I want more. It is never good enough. Boy, these are the three causes of unthankfulness. It's envy. It's my pride. It's my greed. And these are the deadliest of sins. When you think about the, the root causes for unthankfulness, boy, these are the first steps toward just a life that is, is going down a path toward destruction. And I want to encourage you, we avoid all of these things by not focusing on what others have, by not focusing on ourselves, by not focusing on what we could have. We keep our eyes fixed on thankfulness by keeping our eyes fixed on Jesus. Boy, David showed this so clearly in a psalm of thanksgiving he wrote in 1 Chronicles 16. Would you listen to these words? He says, give thanks to the Lord and proclaim his greatness. Let the whole world know what he has done. Sing to him. Yes, sing his praises. Tell everyone about his wonderful deeds. Exult in his holy name. Rejoice, you who worship the Lord. Search for the Lord and for his strength. Continually seek him. Remember the wonders he has performed, his miracles and the rulings he has given. You children of his servant Israel, you descendants of Jacob, his chosen ones, he is the Lord our God. His justice is seen throughout the land. Remember his covenant forever, the commitment he made to a thousand generations. I love this because this points me completely toward Jesus. What David is pointing out is he's saying number one is remember. 
remember what God has done. This is the heart of thankfulness. This will help you keep you focused on Jesus. It's remembering what he has done in your life. You always have something to be thankful for. If you've encountered Jesus, your life has been forever changed. Think about how far you have come in your relationship with Jesus, the blessings that he has poured out on you, and never forget, never uh, lose sight of all that he has done for you. That's what David is challenging us with. We have to remember what God has done. I have to keep my eyes fixed on him. That's the first step towards staying thankful in my life and staying on the track that God has called me to. It says this in, in verse 28 as it continues. O nations of the world, recognize the Lord recognize that the Lord is glorious and strong. Give to the Lord the glory he deserves. Bring your offering and come into his presence. Worship the Lord in all his holy splendor. Let all the earth tremble before him. The world stands firm and cannot be shaken. What we see here is that thankfulness, it recognizes what God is doing. See, we tend to live in the past, right? We can remember what God has done for us years ago. Sometimes we forget to recognize, hey, take a look around you, see what God is doing. Boy, uh, last week here at Crossroads, we celebrated the changed lives of nine people, nine people who were baptized, who've encountered Jesus and saying, hey, I am going to live for him. Those are lives that have been changed by Jesus very recently. Those are lives that are being transformed right in front of our eyes. And in our own lives, I think we have the tendency to look in the past and we forget to realize that right now, God is moving, God is working, God is doing some sacred and special things in our lives. And we have to keep our eyes open and fixed on Jesus, not only in the past, what he has done, but what he is doing right now. Don't miss the, the blessings that he is pouring out on you right now. Don't miss the opportunities that he is giving you right now. You are dearly and deeply loved by him. Even in the valley, you are blessed. God is good. God is moving. God is working. Stay focused on him and stay thankful because he is there. He is with you. It goes on to say, let the heavens be glad and the earth rejoice. Till all the nations, the Lord reigns. Let the sea and everything in it shout his praise. Let the fields and their crops burst out with joy. Let the trees of the forest sing for joy before the Lord, for he is coming to judge the earth. Give thanks to the Lord, for he is good. His faithful love endures forever. Cry out, save us, O God, of our salvation. Gather and rescue us from among the nations, so we can thank your holy name and rejoice and praise you. Praise the Lord the God of Israel, who lives from everlasting to everlasting. And all the people shouted, amen, and they praised the Lord. I love this final piece because we see that, man, thankfulness, it remembers what God has done. It recognizes what God is doing, but it rejoices, you guys, by looking forward with great anticipation to what God is going to do. You might be walking through a valley. You might be finding yourself in the storm of life right now you never saw coming. But God's not finished with you. He's only just beginning. Nothing that you're experiencing right now changes the fact that you are dearly and deeply loved by God. You are his child. You have hope. You have a future. And so I encourage you today, rejoice. Rejoice in who God is, what he is doing, and what he is going to do. Because he has been faithful. He's going to be faithful. And your future is bright. I want to challenge you today with this final thought. I'm going to end where we started. In 1 Thessalonians 5.18, where Paul says, Give thanks in all circumstances, for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus for you. I end with this question. Are you giving thanks for all that God has done for you? Would you just stop and consider that? Is this a reality in my life? Am I giving thanks for all that God has done for me? Because as soon as I take my eyes off Jesus, I'm going to start letting those roots of unthankfulness grow in my life. 
Stay focused on Jesus. Remember what he has done. Recognize what he is doing. Rejoice in what he is going to do. Keep your eyes fixed on him. Jesus, we love you today. We thank you for who you are, for your extravagant love that you have for us. God, we give you praise today, right now, because you are worthy. Help us not to fall in this trap of being unthankful. God, help us to remember who you are and what you've done. You have been faithful. Help us to recognize, God, what it is that you are doing in our lives, the way that you are moving and working. And God, may we rejoice. May we put our trust in your promises for our life and look forward with great anticipation to what you are going to do. We love you. We thank you. We praise you today. We pray this in your name. Amen.